0: This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Your radio doctor does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, products, physicians, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned on your radio doctor. Always consult your own physician. Today's program has been pre-recorded.
1: I'm Lisa Thomas-Laurie. If you're on Medicare, I've got great news. Keystone 65 HMO plans from Independence Blue Cross have earned five stars, Medicare's highest rating for 2022. Some plans have no monthly premiums, no deductibles, and no co-pays for primary Primary care visits and some prescription drugs don't wait visit ibxmedicare.com star
2: every year Medicare evaluates plans based on a five-star rating system Keystone 65 offers HMO plans with a Medicare contract enrollment in Keystone 65 Medicare Advantage plans depends on contract renewal this is a paid endorsement
3: talk radio 1210 wphd wphd HD wogl HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter It's time for the Delaware Valley's first radio doctor. On call every Saturday afternoon at 5. This is your radio doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross.
4: Listen, 7 months or 10 months is an absolutely exceptional, exceptionally short time frame to produce this vaccine.
3: Your health determines your life your longevity and your happiness let your radio doctor lead the way with your medical education your radio doctor dr marianne ritchie
5: good evening and welcome to your radio doctor i'm your host dr marianne ritchie each year in the spring we breathe a sigh of relief when flu season is over and in general getting the cold the flu or pneumonia is often associated with winter weather but there is still the potential for respiratory infections during spring and summer. In fact, we've recently seen a rise in some of the typical winter illnesses like adenovirus that were under better control when we wore masks for the last two years. According to the CDC, pneumonia is the leading cause of hospitalization in children and adults each year in the US. Here to talk about all things pneumonia is our very special guest, and it is my great honor to welcome Dr. Greg Kane. Dr. Kane is the chair of the Department of Medicine and the Jane and Leonard Corman Professor of Pulmonary Medicine at Sidney Kimmel Medical College of Thomas Jefferson University here in Philadelphia. He's a specialist in pulmonology, which is lung disease, and critical care medicine, having done vast research in several areas of lung disease. He's also involved in many prestigious organizations. He's been an officer in the American College of Physicians. He's a member of the American Thoracic Society and the Alliance for Academic Internal Medicine. He's been recognized for his commitment to humanism and professionalism with the Gold Humanism Award and the prestigious Parker J. Palmer Courage to Teach Award from the Accreditation Council for Graduate Medical Education. Dr. Kane is respected by his colleagues, admired by his medical students and residents, and loved by his patients. Welcome, Greg. Thanks so much for being here.
4: It's good to be here. Great to see you.
5: Well, and for our listeners, Dr. Kane is the Chair of Medicine, which means he's my boss. So I'm on my best behavior.
4: Today we'll be on an even level.
5: <laughs> oh, hardly. Well, um, Greg, we talk about pneumonia and I have to wonder uh, how would explain to listeners how it's different from bronchitis because both can have fever and a productive cough. That's a polite way of saying something kind of yucky. But how do you distinguish? How do you define pneumonia and differentiate it?
4: Got it. It's a great question. First thing that's important to realize is that pneumonia is more serious than bronchitis. Bronchitis is very common and it represents infection in the breathing tubes from maybe a bacteria or from a virus. But that infection of bronchitis doesn't extend down into the tiny air sacs that make up the lung. When the infection goes into those tiny air sacs, which by the way, we call alveoli, those air sacs become filled with pus, with bacteria and with proteinaceous fluid, and that can make it very difficult to breathe, and it can give the bacteria a portal of entry into the bloodstream. So it's much more serious. And if you will, it's in the very lower recesses of the lung tissue, beyond the breathing tubes that we call the bronchi.
5: So if we think the lungs, uh, think of the lungs as a tree, the bronchi are the major tubes that bring the air and the alveoli are the leaves. And that's where the oxygen is exchanged with the bad guy, the carbon dioxide, in with the good air, out with the bad air, yes?
4: That's a great picture to keep in mind. The branches of the tree are much like the bronchi. They're the channels for air to pass through. But the leaves, if you think of them as the air sacs of the lung, are the action part. It's where your body absorbs oxygen and gives off carbon dioxide. Mm -hmm. And you don't want those tiny air sacs to be filled with fluid or pus or bacteria, because it would interfere with your ability to breathe and get oxygen into the bloodstream.
5: And maybe that's why when you have bronchitis, your whole chest rattles, because it's that congestion in those big highways. So how common is pneumonia, and why do we not get it more often?
4: Well, it's still pretty common, but the reason we don't get it too often is that your body has a lot of defenses to try to prevent pneumonia. From occurring two of the defenses are the cilia cells that are in the breathing tubes and go down even to the smallest tubes and then lining those cilia cells is a layer of mucus and you could almost think of this like a magic carpet that magic carpet is like a one-way escalator up and out of the lungs keeping dirt bacteria and viruses from getting down into the deep recesses of the lung if you think of yourself on the second floor of the mall and both escalators are coming up to you it's almost impossible to get down to the first floor but if those escalators break down and that's what can happen when you catch a cold the cilia that normally beat with a certain frequency and move the mucus in one direction out of the lung can get injured or diseased And that creates an opening, if you will, for bacteria to get down deep into the lung. Fortunately, it doesn't happen too often and it doesn't happen every time you have bronchitis, but it can happen. And if it does, it can be pretty serious.
5: Mm -hmm. And so for our listeners, cilia are the tiny hairs that you see inside your nose. I mean, they're, they're, they're a pretty big version of what we see in the lungs. And the shiny lining inside your mouth and cheeks is called mucosa. And when you think about it, if you have a strep throat or a viral infection of your throat and you look in on a bad day it's super red and that's what we would see if we had a scope in your lungs and the only thing that the mucosa or that shiny lining knows to do when it's trying to get rid of a virus is to make mucus and that's probably why people cough up because that's trying to be the the raft that that brings out the the bad guys yes
4: exactly I think of the injury to the lining of the lung a little bit like what you would see if you fell off your bike as a kid and scraped your calf. You would see that yellow fluid begin to seep out of the skin. Well, if you get a virus or a bacteria into the bronchial lining, that can get injured, and you no longer have those ciliated cells working in a coordinated way to move dirt, mucus, and bacteria out of the lung and out of the way. Mm-hmm.
5: So now we have to talk about the elephant in the room, COVID. Why do you think so many people, if ordinarily we're not all at risk for not so much at risk for pneumonia, how did COVID seep into so many people's airways? And how do you think that happened?
4: Well, the most important thing about COVID is that it's new. It's a novel virus. Now I'm not going to get into, The origins because the scientists haven't really come to a firm conclusion as to whether or not this came from animals in a particular part of the world or some scientific laboratory. But what I can tell you is this particular coronavirus has not been in circulation among humans before the end of 2019. And that's why it was given this name, COVID 19. It's a coronavirus which causes an illness, and it was first detected in late 2019. Um, because many people haven't seen this virus before, it has a unique opportunity to penetrate into the host through the lungs. And we've learned that this virus even has receptors for the lung tissue. And not every virus does have a receptor for the lung tissue in the deepest recesses where those air sacs are. So that means coronavirus being new and having receptors for the deepest tissue in your lung can get in and cause a lot of damage before you really even know it. Mm -hmm. And most of the people on this globe have not been exposed to it before. So that's why it's causing so many new infections.
5: And that's why in passing you hear so many people call it a novel virus. That's what it means that it's, it's new to us. Um, so if you're in the company of somebody who happens to have COVID and they don't have symptoms yet, how long might you have to share a car ride with them or, passing conversation.
4: Got it. Well I'm so glad you mentioned car ride because if you're in a small room where the windows are closed and the air is not getting recirculated or refreshed, you might be able to acquire COVID within two or three minutes or if the person next to you were to happen to cough. In a larger space, a large office with a high ceiling, it's not going to be as easy to acquire COVID nineteen. And if you're outside and a person near you has COVID Just imagine that those virus particles that might enter the air automatically begin to diffuse through the billions of particles that may be present between the ground and the top of the building, let's say, if you're walking along uh, the street corner or the sidewalk. I can tell you it's really impossible to say exactly how long, but what I do know is the smaller the space, the tighter the ceiling, the less the amount of ventilation the more likely you could get sick with somebody that has COVID who's next to you or in your company.
5: We have about 30 seconds, but I have to ask you this question. When your mother says, don't go outside with wet hair, or, you know, you've taken a shower or you're out and sweaty and it's a cold day, you're going to get a cold. You're going to get pneumonia.
4: I, I love that you say that because truthfully you can't get pneumonia from getting wet. I think it was our seventh president, William Henry Harrison, who went out from the White House without his cloak and he got caught in the rain. And he came back and he was fatigued and tired. And that's probably what led him to get pneumonia. He may have aspirated, which means he drank something or ate something without paying attention or he was weak and run out. And it went down the wrong pipe and it brought bacteria down into the lung. But there's no way to get bacteria from being out in the rain. They don't come down in the raindrops and the viruses aren't carried by particles that are coming down from the clouds.
5: Thank you for that clarification. So I don't have to blow my hair dry before I go out. And by the way, William Henry Harrison, it said that he studied medicine at the University of Pennsylvania. Do you think that's because he didn't get into Jefferson?
0: Let's take a little (laughs) break
5: and we'll be right back with Dr. Greg Kane.
6: Thanks for listening to Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ann Ritchie, exclusively presented by Independence Blue Cross. If you have a question for the medical mailbag, just send a note to doctor at yourradiodoctor.net.
7: Hi, I'm Dr. Denny Caris, Chief Science Officer at Recovery Centers of America, and I'm here as your addiction expert. I get asked a lot by family members. You know, my loved one had a problem with cocaine or heroin. Why can't they have wine with dinner with me? Because I like to drink wine and it wasn't my problem, right? Well, I think about it like this, there's a genetic component to addiction overall and there's lots of different genes, but if you've got it, you're going to have a predisposition towards addiction to many different things. But the reality is that somebody who had a problem with one drug is very likely to develop a problem with another drug or with alcohol. Look at it like that carnival game on the boardwalks, Whack-A-Mole, where they come up and you hit it down and another one pops up and you hit that one down. That's kind of what this is like. You don't want to have all the different addictions coming up while you're whacking one down at a time. That's why people who had a problem with one drug really have to quit all mind-altering substances. So, do yourself a favor. Know that they've got to quit all the different mind-altering substances, and maybe if you don't really need that wine with dinner, you can support them by not having it. After all, they're doing their best to maintain their recovery. If you or a loved one has a problem with alcohol or drugs, call 1-888-RECOVERY today or go to recoverycentersofamerica.com. We answer the phone and admit patients 24-7. That number again is 1-888-RECOVERY.
1: I'm Lisa Thomas-Laurie. If you're on Medicare, I've got great news. Keystone 65 HMO plans from Independence Blue Cross have earned five stars, Medicare's highest rating for 2022. Some plans have no monthly premiums, no deductibles, and no co-pays for primary care visits and some prescription drugs. Don't wait. Visit ibxmedicare.com.
2: Every year, Medicare evaluates plans based on a five-star rating system. Keystone 65 offers HMO plans with a Medicare contract. Enrollment in Keystone 65 Medicare Advantage plans depends on contract renewal. This is a paid endorsement.
5: And we're back on your radio doctor with Dr. Greg Kane, chair of medicine from Jefferson university hospital. Greg, we were talking about not being worried about going out with wet hair and, and getting uh, pneumonia, but I have to add, I don't want to offend my friends from the university of Penn that William Henry Harrison studied at Penn a little medicine because Jefferson wasn't open yet. I'm sure he would have been accepted. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about risk factors for pneumonia.
4: Great. Well, there's several. Uh, First, being older is a risk factor for pneumonia. Why? Maybe our defenses aren't as strong. Maybe our immune system isn't quite as strong, and that can certainly put you at risk for pneumonia. Persons who have underlying medical conditions, including common ones like COPD or emphysema or other chronic lung disease, can also get pneumonia, and persons with a history of stroke or heart failure are at risk. I want to particularly mention one group of patients. Patients who've had prior scarring in the lung are at a unique risk for catching pneumonia because that escalator defense of the ciliated cells and the mucus and the magic carpet can get uh, perhaps bypassed and that puts those patients at risk. But there's a number of other risk factors as well, like not being vaccinated against common viruses or against some of the common bacteria for which we have a vaccine. I would be remiss though, if I didn't point out that there are some risk factors that are beyond our control. Living situation, for example, Um, if you're in a crowded dormitory Mm -hmm. on a college campus that can increase your risk. If you're on a seafaring vessel, you could have some risk as well. So there's some risk factors that we can't necessarily control, but a lot that maybe we can.
5: And you, went, you mentioned um, uh, previous scarring, which you would call bronchiectasis. I know you've done quite a bit of research in bronchiectasis and viruses. The, the flu epidemic of 1918 and then the second bump in 1921 wasn't the theory that people were, had the viral infection and then what they died from most often was a secondary superimposed bacterial infection. It was just a double bolt of lightning and uh, took a lot of lives, yes?
4: That's exactly right. The flu doesn't commonly go down all the way to the air sacs. Mm. But what the flu does is it interrupts those bronchial tubes and injures them and breaks down the cilia cells and the mucus defenses. And that allows bacteria that are dangerous to penetrate deeper into the lung than they might normally do.
5: Mm Mm-hmm. So again, you were saying that other uh, comorbidities or, or conditions that predispose to pneumonia might be somebody who's had a stroke and they might be, they're lying in bed, maybe they're sedated initially, and they're not opening their air. They're, they're not breathing deeply. That's why post surgery, we always say take deep breaths and use the little blue toy that, that forces you to open your airways. So we talk about vaccines. How has the, the vaccine for the more, the more common one, the pneumococcal vaccine, played a role in uh, prevention. I'm sure it has decreased strep pneumonia, but it's opened the door for more atypical bacteria, yes?
4: Yeah, but I wanna focus on the benefits of the pneumococcal vaccine. It's been around um, since the late 1970s. It's safe and effective. It only works against the pneumococcal bacteria, but there are 23 subtypes of that pneumococcal bacteria, and the vaccine is very effective. And I might point out that a newer version of the vaccine is even more effective than the original one. But that doesn't mean you can't get an infection from other types of bacteria. One thing that I find really interesting about the pneumococcal vaccine, which is given to most kids now, is that by preventing infection in kids, adults may be getting pneumonia less frequently, meaning there's less transmission of that bacteria from children to adults in their own family or in their own social circle.
5: Mm-hmm. Great point because I know I had the joy of having grandchildren and I've picked up some unwanted daycare cooties this year, including RSV. I haven't been that sick in years. So back to, um, uh, the vaccines again, we have to give a plug to the flu vaccine because as we said, that sets the stage, makes it easier, opens the door for bacteria to come in. So please get the vaccine for the flu. I think, What I've seen in in the office and different patients or friends will say, whew, I took the COVID test. I'm good. Meanwhile, they're incredibly sick, but they think as long as it's not COVID, I'm good to go. No, other things can really hurt you, including the flu and other conditions. So let's compare the vaccine for strep pneumonia, which is just one bacterium versus the flu vaccine that changes every year. Why does that happen?
4: Well, the flu is a really interesting virus it circulates in the Northern half of the planet. We call that the Northern hemisphere, usually in the winter months. And then in our summer, it circulates in the Southern hemisphere where they're having the winter. And it changes every year. And the change can be either subtle or it can be dramatic. And if it makes a dramatic change, a lot of people get infected because it's a completely different virus. If it makes a subtle change, people might not get that sick. The way I think of the flu virus is like a stranger that shows up at your front door. And think of it that the stranger that shows up might be wearing an overcoat that's green and a hat that's yellow. Well, if that stranger's been at your door before, your immune system will recognize the green jacket and the yellow hat. But maybe next year, the same flu shows up, but wearing a blue jacket and a black hat. And if that happens, your immune system won't recognize that flu strain particularly well. And we can help that by getting a flu shot each year. And there are people that are a lot smarter than I, epidemiologists, that track the changing and the variation of the flu as it goes around the planet. And they can predict with pretty good efficacy exactly the strain that we need to get the vaccine for. Some of my patients say, Dr. Kane, I heard we didn't get it right this year and that the flu shot isn't that good. And you know what? That does happen on rare occasion that we don't pick the perfect flu shot. But getting the flu shot is still helpful because maybe that blue jacket and red hat will come around next year and you'll have gotten the flu shot already a year, two, or three before.
5: Mm -hmm. Plus, isn't it so, and as you get older, then you're protected against more and more uh, variants, but... Can't you can get the flu twice within the same season? Yes.
4: Because you could, yes. the variant
5: comes along. Am I right about that?
4: That's absolutely right. A little bit more rare, but can absolutely happen.
5: Mm-hmm. So we talk about the symptoms of pneumonia. How do they differ in a young person versus an elderly person? I think that's a really important message
4: to share. Well, young people usually have good functioning immune systems and they respond with very high fever. They might respond with cough and they might develop chest pain. It's interesting that as we get older, our immune system gets a little bit blunted, and our responses to infection are either delayed or mitigated in some way. So an older person with pneumonia might not get a high fever. They might not even cough right away. The first thing you might recognize is that they're just a little confused or cloudy in their thinking, or maybe they're weak, and they just want to go lie down in bed. And that's why being alert to the possibility of pneumonia is so important for older adults.
5: And as we know, we learned, I have to say, I'm very excited to share that Dr. Kane and I were both residents. Um, I was many, many years, a few decades ahead of him uh, at Lankano hospital. But one of the things that we saw in our training and, and of course still is that an elderly person doesn't always mount a fever. It's so tricky because, even my friends, when they'll they'll talk about symptoms and I'll say, did you take your temp? Yep, I'm good. I am I don't have a fever. And I say, well, but sometimes instead of a fever, you can drop too low, unusually low. And you don't have to do that either. But a 95 or a 96 should be alarming. So even my own dad, we went through this with him. He had dementia and it was gradual. At first it was kind of cute. It was like Grandpa Simpson. He'd get a little confused, but he was in that on that plateau. And one day he woke up and he was acutely more confused and I took his temp and it was 95.6 and I said he aspirated and I knew it and we got him treated right away and it was like watering a dried plant he just completely came back so um I wanted to go back and as people can hear Greg you speak so beautifully and clearly one of the things that I tell my patients is you dr. Kane did a great uh, lecture we have a weekly grand rounds and you talked about not being prejudiced by If somebody says, well, I have asthma, and they're short of breath, well, we have to make sure it's not just asthma that's causing their symptoms. Could they also have pneumonia? Could they have COVID? Could they have a drug reaction? So tell us why it's important not to have an anchor diagnosis or a preconceived idea, especially if you're the patient. If you're taking your antibiotic, two, three days go by, but you're not getting better, call Dr. Kane and say, I need need your reassessment.
4: I'm so glad you brought this up because... One of the things that can happen in medicine, and and by the way, this can be a challenge in families who are helping take care of a loved one, is that you think, aha, what's happened is my brother's typical asthma. And so I'm going to treat it as the typical asthma. But on occasion, that flare-up of asthma may be complicated by pneumonia or COVID. And when we say that we don't like to anchor our diagnosis, we always wanna keep an open mind. So if the illness, for example, is not getting better after two to three days of antibiotics, it's really important to step back and say, wait a minute, maybe this isn't just pneumonia, or I thought this was COVID, but maybe it's actually a bacterial pneumonia, Mm
1: -hmm.
4: or maybe I thought this was bacterial pneumonia and it's something altogether different. Mm -hmm. And so it's always important to keep an open mind. And once we decide to treat somebody, Make sure that they're getting better at the anticipated schedule. Exactly. And if they're getting better on the right schedule, then you know, gee, I think I'm on the right track.
5: Great point. Stay with us after the break. We'll be back with Dr. Greg Kane from Jefferson Pulmonology.
0: Today's edition of Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross, can be enjoyed anytime, anywhere, at your convenience. Just download the Odyssey app and search your radio doctor. It's health education on demand.
9: This is Emily Rubin, dietitian with Thomas Jefferson University Hospital and PR chair with the Philadelphia Academy of Dietetics and Nutrition, presenting you with the nutrition tip of the week. So we're going to continue with our diet for irritable bowel syndrome, such as the low FODMAP diet. So an apple a day, for instance, is a high FODMAP food and will send most IBS patients to their GI doctor, surprisingly. FODMAP is an acronym for a certain class of carbohydrates, which are more difficult for people, especially with IBS, to digest. So we're going to go through each initial of the FODMAPs to learn more about the diet. The F in FODMAP stands for fermentable, which are foods that the bacteria feeds on, converting it to gas causing fermentation. The O stands for oligosaccharides, which means these are the plant fibers known as prebiotics which feed off the beneficial bacteria in your gut. These include onions, garlics, beans, lentils and many wheat products. The issue is many people have a sensitivity to these particular foods which gives them the GI symptoms. The D stands for disaccharides, that is lactose, which is a fermentable sugar found in dairy and milk, and it's one of the most common food int Tolerances around the world. M stands for monosaccharides, which is found in fructose, which is the sugar found in fruit that actually can cause some symptoms as well. And then the P stands for polyols, which means these are sugar alcohols. And these are commonly used in a lot of sugar-free products and artificial sweeteners, such as sorbitol, matatol, and it's also contained in, in some fruits. So foods that you can eat, it's really important to focus on foods that you can eat on this diet versus on what you can't eat. Protein foods such as meat, chicken, turkey, fish are all free of FODMAPs. But again, if these protein foods are marinated in a salad dressing with onion and garlic, it may be considered high FODMAP. Other foods people can eat, some vegetables such as lettuce, carrots, chives, fennel, eggplant, green beans. Some of the fruits are strawberries, pineapple, oranges, cucumbers, kiwi fruit. Some of the fats, oils, pumpkin seeds, peanuts, small amounts of almonds, and then starches, potatoes, amaranth, quinoa, brown rice, tortilla chips, and gluten-free products and bread products we do want to avoid, but you can include sourdough bread as well. It is essential to talk with a doctor or dietitian before starting a low FODMAP diet. Doctors and dietitians do not typically recommend this diet for long-term use, as it can eliminate some essential nutrient-rich foods. This is why it's so important to have a balanced low FODMAP diet. This is Emily Rubin, dietitian with Thomas Jefferson University Hospital and PR chair for the Philadelphia Academy of Dietetics and Nutrition, wrapping up the nutrition tip of the week. For more information, you can log on to yourradiodoctor.com.
1: I'm Lisa Thomas-Laurie. If you're on Medicare, I've got great news. Keystone 65 HMO plans from Independence Blue Cross have earned five stars, Medicare's highest rating for 2022. Some plans have no monthly premiums, no deductibles, and no copays for primary care visits and some prescription drugs. Don't wait. Visit ibxmedicare.com.
2: Every year, Medicare evaluates plans based on a five-star rating system. Keystone 65 offers HMO plans with a Medicare contract. Enrollment in Keystone 65 Medicare Advantage plans depends on contract renewal. This is a paid endorsement.
6: When we ask questions, we make sure they're the big ones.
8: Like when it comes to diseases, can we strive to treat, prevent, and even reverse them? And how can we make healthcare more effective and more affordable? These are the types of questions that can help impact the lives of so many patients, that help push the boundaries of innovation and healthcare for all communities. At Genentech, we are the pioneers of the biotech industry, tackling some of the biggest questions in healthcare. Learn more at gene.com slash ask bigger questions.
5: Welcome back to your radio, doctor. Dr. Greg Kane is teaching us so much about pneumonia, and I want to just revisit what we left before the break, Greg, and that is if you're getting medication or therapy from your doctor for pneumonia, and a couple days past this, the two or three day mark comes along and you're not getting better or you're getting worse. You have to let the doctor know right away because we talked about um, it could be a different bacterium. Maybe the drug is uh, resistant. Maybe it's drug resistant or maybe there's some other issue like congestive heart failure or a clot to your lung. Let's hope not, but we have to stay awake. And the other thing is sometimes a bacterium, will go into your bloodstream and that's called sepsis that's that's a topic for a complete other show but if that happens we want to make sure it's not a bug from your urine or someplace else in your body so um, as a GI doc I would look at your belly too let's talk about the more atypical pneumonias because people are familiar with strep and even staph which is really dangerous but what comes to mind when we say the less typical
4: Well, atypical pneumonia refers to bacteria that are a little bit different and cause a variety of illness that doesn't necessarily present exactly the same way. Here in Philadelphia, the classic one to talk about is Legionella. Legionella is a very small bacterium. It actually can live inside the water pipes of some of the large buildings across the country. Now, don't panic because Mm -hmm. the people that run these buildings can do some things to mitigate against the Legionella growing in the water, such as superheating the water on a weekend. Now, you have to put a warning sign in every room of that building to do that, but that can lower the bacterial count and decrease the risk of getting uh, Legionella. But I do want you to know that the very first outbreak of Legionella was in a large hotel here in Philadelphia on South Broad Street. And many, many people were infected. And it it was a relatively new bacterium Mm. that we didn't know anything about. Now, that was different than COVID. It wasn't a new bacterium we later learned because we went back to blood that was saved from people who got sick with an unknown illness in the 1930s and 40s. And we learned that some of those patients actually had had Legionella. So it was just that we weren't able to isolate the bacteria and describe it until the 1970s. But there are other atypical bacteria, ones called mycoplasma that commonly circulates in college dormitories. Mm. And there's one called chlamydia, which you can acquire from birds and then it can travel back into humans. And it causes a pneumonia with a cough, but usually not a productive cough with mucus. It's usually a dry cough.
5: So might that be a walking pneumonia that people talk about?
4: Some people call it a walking pneumonia, but Mm -hmm. the atypical pathogens could make you pretty sick.
5: So we talk about names for a bacterium or a virus with the genus and the species and Legionella is named such because in 1976, that convention was the Legionnaires uh, group. And um, it was really scary when that happened. I remember you may have been too young to remember, but I, we thought it was the bubonic plague that came to town. And ironically, isn't erythromycin the drug of choice? Or it was at the time, It was something so simple that was in every pediatrician's uh, cabinet, it was so easy to take care of once we realized.
4: I remember this really well. My grandfather was in the American Legion. So I was following what they were doing. He didn't actually go to that particular national convention. Wow. And the name for Legionella has a species and a genus name and the species and genus together is called Legionella pneumophila. And so that's the Latin for lung loving. So it's a type of Legionella that likes the lung. And if it gets airborne from the water system in a building, it can get deep down in the lungs. Now, isn't it crazy that a very common antibiotic that was available at that time could have treated some of the people that got infected, but we didn't know what was causing their infection. And so out of the dozen or so antibiotics that they could have gotten, not everybody realized erythromycin was exactly the one to give. But we later realized that and finally had a treatment that works. And today for most people admitted to the hospital, we use a drug that will cover Legionella just to be safe.
5: Makes sense. That's an awesome explanation. So you're getting sick, you're at home. What symptoms would would convince somebody or should convince somebody stop sitting and waiting till the morning to come, go to the emergency room. And I'm going to combine that with a question that is related. It's timely. The happy hypoxemia of COVID. People that get COVID are walking around with low oxygen levels in their lungs and bloodstream and don't feel it right away. They're true, true, and unrelated, but what would make you go to the ER and maybe a little more quickly because you know you have
4: COVID. Let's start with routine pneumonia and then we'll add the discussion of COVID-19. So in routine pneumonia, if you get acutely ill with a high fever and you can't breathe, you should go to the emergency room. Remember that I said that those tiny air sacs get filled up with pus and fluid and bacteria. So if you feel sick with a fever and don't feel like you're getting a breath and don't feel that you can breathe comfortably, that's a good sign that you should go to the emergency room. The problem with COVID-19 is just what you said. Not everybody realizes that the COVID virus is blocking the air sacs in the lung and preventing them from getting the oxygen they need. Maybe it's because they're younger when they get the COVID-19 and they can tolerate that, not realize it, but it is a unique feature. And it's one of the reasons why we really try to be careful with COVID-19. And some of my patients check their finger probe for their oxygen level at home and send that to me in a text message. And that gives me some unique information that reassures me that they don't necessarily have to run to the emergency room right away.
5: So that little gadget that you're describing, you can buy at the local drugstore. We call it a pulse ox, short for pulse oximeter. When somebody's sedated for a procedure like colonoscopy, we wanna make sure that the sedation isn't uh, decreasing the respirations. We wanna make sure their oxygen's a certain level. And you can buy that at a drugstore And you know, as you say, call your doctor immediately if it goes below uh, a a dangerous level. So Greg, we were talking about um, making the diagnosis. More than 60% of the time, you don't identify the exact bacterium or or virus. How do you make the diagnosis and decide to use the pink pill or the blue pill?
4: Got it. Well, you're right. It's difficult to find the specific bacteria. And the reasons for that are simply because Not every patient can cough up a good specimen from Mm. deep down in the lung. And sometimes they've already started the antibiotic, so we can't necessarily find which bacteria it is. But the principal way to make the diagnosis is with a chest x-ray. Your lungs are typically filled exclusively with air with a very lace-like background that has mostly air sacs in it. So when we do an x-ray with a patient that has pneumonia, we call it an infiltrate. Because as the X-ray beam tries to go through the lung tissue, it gets stopped because of the pus and the fluid and the bacteria. And it creates a shadow on the X-ray that in reality looks like a cloud up in the sky. And when you normally look through the chest X-ray, you should be able to look right through like a clear blue sky. But if there's a big cloud in the way, that cloud can represent the pneumonia. Once we see a pneumonia, the next thing we do is take the history. We try to find out, was somebody on a cruise ship? Were they in a college dormitory? Did they have trouble swallowing? And then we use that information to pick the best combination of antibiotics. And you mentioned many of these societies uh, across the United States, the American College of Physicians, the American Thoracic Society. Well, they both have guidelines that help doctors pick the right combination of antibiotics that will get your dad better, that will get your loved one better, and cover all the potential causes of pneumonia. So you can be returned to health.
5: And then that brings up the um, idea, maybe not for listeners, but what helps the treating doctor decide, is it what we call a community acquired pneumonia, because you're out and about with relatively healthy people, or is it nosocomial or something that you've contracted after you've been in the hospital for at least 48 hours, or you've been on a ventilator, and you're immunosuppressed because you're on steroids or something like that. And, and so they're the kind of categories that we consider. So antibiotics, sometimes we're fortunate. We can get a person better quickly with just pills. Sometimes they need intra intravenous, sometimes even breathing treatments to go with if a person or when they fully recuperate, do you later check the a chest X-ray or even a CAT scan to make sure I know that um, I'll, Swing back. I had pneumonia three years ago. Went to the emergency room. The chest x-ray was clear But I had had a bronchitis and now like a week into the bronchitis. I had a fever I knew medical school 101. It was superimposed bad So I called the doc my doctor. I went see the doctor and we got a Cat scan it showed up on that. So considering sometimes we can't trust the chest x-ray. That's one message but if a person um, Seems to get better do you follow with the chest X-ray or CAT scan later to make sure there's no underlying issue like COPD or even cancer?
4: We recommend doing that X-ray and follow-up for exactly the reasons you pointed out. Some patients can present with an abnormal X-ray and have symptoms that might be like bronchitis or pneumonia, but we always like to be sure that after giving them antibiotics, the X-ray gets better. First of all, it confirms that we know what's going on. And second of all, it helps us rule out that there might also be a cancer hidden behind that cloud. We want to make sure that we can see clearly. And it takes maybe six or eight weeks after you've improved for that cloud to go away. And we, we usually do follow up with an x-ray. Sometimes you can't see the pneumonia on just a simple x-ray and a CAT scan that has much higher resolution, much greater fidelity, can reveal all of the detail within the lungs. And on occasion that is required to make the diagnosis
5: good to know Greg so stay awake our listeners and make sure you ask your doctor these questions let's take a little break break and we'll be right back with our wrap-up
0: your radio doctor with dr. Marianne Ritchie is presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross
1: Hi, I'm Lisa Thomas-Laurie. If you're on Medicare, I've got great news. Keystone 65 HMO plans from Independence Blue Cross have earned five stars. That's Medicare's highest rating for 2022. Some of these Medicare Advantage plans have no monthly premiums, no deductibles, and no co-pays for primary care visits and some prescription drugs. And all plans include dental, vision, and hearing benefits with no co-pays for routine exams. Medicare's highest rating, Philly's most popular plan. Don't wait, visit ibxmedicare.com star. Every year,
2: Medicare evaluates plans based on a five-star rating system. Keystone 65 offers HMO plans with a Medicare contract. Enrollment in Keystone 65 Medicare Advantage plans depends on contract renewal. This is a paid endorsement.
3: Now, your weekly prescription brought to you by Genentech the science driven company that pioneered the biotech industry to transform how we treat the world's most complex health problems
5: And we're back for the last segment of Your Radio Doctor which we now call Your Weekly Prescription and our guest Dr. Greg Kane I'm sure you have some great takeaway messages for our listeners Greg about pneumonia
4: I do and thank you for that I was thinking about all the things that have helped us stay healthy in this modern world. And there are several, uh, first getting your screenings for cancer. Second, clean food, clean water, third, clean living. My patients ask me what's clean living. And I say, don't smoke, alcohol in moderation and exercise. But after those three categories, and those are three big categories, I think getting your vaccines is one of the most important things that you can do. You can prevent pneumococcal pneumonia, and that's a vaccine that is given to kids, but it's also given to persons over age 60 or 65. And you should get a flu shot every year. I just call it part of my healthy prescription every year to pay attention to those things, and I try to pay attention to it in my practice as well. They're not for everybody, If you're willing and you don't have any risk of allergy, it's the best thing to do.
5: And if you're taking antibiotics and you're not improving after two or three days, pick up the phone and let your doctor know, right? Stay awake. We don't want to anchor in and say for sure it's asthma or for sure it's a virus. It could be a secondary infection. Yes.
4: Yeah. I sometimes hear my patients say, well, I got the antibiotics and you told me I should be feeling better. But the second part of that is if you're not feeling better, let us know because maybe we got the antibiotic piece wrong and maybe there's another condition that we need to be aware of and not overlook.
5: And I think too, um, it's good for people to know that once they're feeling better, don't walk away, Renee, make sure you follow up with your doctor because you might want to repeat imaging.
4: That's absolutely right. We like to be sure the diagnosis we made is accurate and we want to be sure that the pneumonia has cleared and the only way to do that is to take another picture six or eight weeks down mm-hmm. the road.
5: And of course the Ritchie rule is you can have cigarettes as long as they're made of chocolate or bubble gum. I you like it. that?
4: I love it. That's reasonable I, I think.
5: It. So if our listeners wanted to visit a website is there a good general website that They could read more about pneumonia or some of the things we talked about today.
4: The websites for the American College of Physicians or the American Thoracic Society both have patient-directed material. You could just Google it and learn about William Henry Harrison or learn about Legionella pneumonia. Uh, But I think the most important thing is to remember that a sudden or severe cough accompanied by fever are the cardinal signs of having pneumonia. And if those are severe, you ought to bring those directly to the attention of your doctor or go to the emergency room.
5: And as you say, the new twist with COVID, not new in the past two years, but what's different from other respiratory infections is that you can be walking around thinking you're, you're just comfortable and fine and not have that severe um, gasping for breath. Or, um, and then when your oxygen a little bit more, it's almost too late. It's almost too late to correct. Fortunately, with the vaccine, um, what percentage of the population either has natural immunity or protection from the vaccination? Mid to well, we're late, getting over up close
4: to 60%. Uh, I'm hopeful we'll get even higher. Um, there are different strains of COVID. The virus has been changing, as many of you hear. Lately, we've been dealing with the Omicron variants, and there's two, BA1 and BA2, Um, and that part's scary that this virus can change and in doing so, create a way to bypass our immune system, but the good news is that for persons that are vaccinated, it really seems to be a protection against getting a severe case of COVID-19. You might get a flu-like illness, you might be out of work or school for a week, but hopefully you'll be able to stay out of the hospital. And that's the most important thing
5: and you have to hope also Greg that this um, again this uh, invisible enemy that came to into the whole world made us all much more vigil about hand-washing and not sharing glasses do you still see people like <laughs> parents will share a cup with their child oh my goodness I mean daycare and all the situations as you say children sharing their bugs with us Um, maybe people will be a little bit wiser in general about hygiene and and things that can make a big difference dr. Greg Kane what a delight to have you as our guest thank you so much if somebody wanted to see you at Jefferson they might call 1-800 Jeff now perfect thank you Greg wonderful to have you
4: good to be here thank you Marianne
5: And now for Your Real Champion, I call this segment, A Sunny Disposition. Pam and Vincent Demartini were happy parents of two little boys, Adam and Alex, eagerly awaiting their third child. But just before delivery, they learned that their new baby would have Down syndrome. Pam promised that she was going to bring this little baby into the world. And a month later when he arrived, she was ready. His name is Addison and they call him Sunny. And from the beginning, He's had a guardian angel. At age six weeks, he had heart surgery, and the nurse was a family friend assigned to his care, and after a successful stay, he went home on Christmas Eve. Despite early intervention, by age five, Sonny was still nonverbal. His big brother was in the school band, and Sonny was captivated by football at Conestoga High School. He liked to stand on the sideline watching players come off the field. They'd high-five him and let him try their helmets on, He wanted to speak to the players, so Pam spent all summer teaching him to say good luck and good game. Sonny went to practices so he could memorize players' names and numbers, then offer hugs as they left the field. Soon they'd start to throw him the football. They connected with him. One quarterback was the nephew of Christopher Burke, the TV star with Down syndrome who played Corky in the TV series Life Goes On. Beaumont Elementary had little history of children with special needs, but the year Sonny began kindergarten, there was a new principal who was a great advocate. They hired a new special ed teacher and answered Pam's request for a chair with arms to provide structure and set boundaries, and the aide came with him from preschool. He made friends easily, in particular, two girls and a boy who would remain his friends straight through high school. They'd explain to the other kids But Sonny just does things a little differently. One little girl wouldn't have her birthday tea party without Sonny, the only boy on the guest list. Sonny looked at school as a social event. He went to high school to learn to dance. And when his classmates went to college, he'd go and watch them play football. He turned to his mom and said, where am I going to college? Well, Pam found a summer program at Haverford College that invites students with special needs to stay on campus for a few weeks. That early program helped Sonny forge his independence, and he was happy to call that his college. Not just the number one fan, Sonny became an integral part of Conestugal football. He worked his way up from a graduate assistant and earned the title of coach, with his name now on the list with other coaches. He travels on the bus with the team, and he feels their pain when they lose. For 22 years, he's also been a super fan of basketball, and the coach brings him in the locker room to celebrate when they win. Even the umpires look for him in baseball season. Sonny's quite the celebrity. Recently, Pam and Sonny were out to breakfast. A man saw him and said, I'm going to be coaching football with you. Everyone wants to dance with him at the local church dance, and he went on a weekend retreat at Immaculate College. All the sisters knew him. He loves the routine and structure of mass, and the priest better not miss anything. For seven years, he's carried the cross into church every Sunday at 8.30 Mass. Priests at Our Lady of the Assumption have been very supportive, and at the Kiss of Peace, Monsignor has to wait until Sonny greets everyone around him before Mass can continue. During Lent, he reminds everyone not to eat meat on Friday and to pray the stations. He often looks at the cross and says, He died for me? And when his grandmom died, he knows that she went to heaven to meet Father Medina, and Pope John Paul. He's very active in Best Buddies, and he works five days a week. Two days at Baker Industries doing assembly work for other companies, and three days in food service at Camilla Hall for the Elderly Sisters at Immaculata. Happy to wear his tuxedo shirt and a bow tie for special occasions. When Pam looks back, she doesn't see her life as challenging. Good things just kept happening, and she feels blessed with the wonderful people that came into her life. And did I mention her husband, Vincent, 30 years a police officer in Westchester, who also found time to volunteer as a firefighter during those same 30 years? That's the definition of bravery. And Sonny, well, he sees the glass as completely full, a source of pure joy. He lives up to his name and reminds us to live in the moment and day by day, always asking his parents, Dad and Honey, if everything's okay. In return, everyone loves Sonny the celebrity, so if you want his autograph, you might have to stand in line. We salute you, Sonny, Pam, and Vincent D. You are real champions. Thank you for joining us this week and every week. Listen to the show again on our website, yourradiodoctor.com, and now on YouTube. Send us a story of a real champion in your family, office, or community to info at I would love to hear from you. Follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter. We thank our exclusive sponsor, Independence Blue Cross, and a special welcome to our new sponsor, Genentech, the first biotech company in the United States, and support from our sponsors, Recovery Centers of America and Rothman Orthopedic Institute. Join us next week for another very important topic, sadness and depression in teenagers. Our guest, Dr. Janice Nevins, Professor of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry from New York University. Send questions in advance to info at yourradiodoctor.net. This is your radio doctor, Marianne Ritchie, wishing you a happy, healthy, safe week with the ones you love. Always here to remind you that your health is your wealth.
0: Thanks for listening to Your Radio Doctor, Dr. Mary Ann Ritchie, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. To contact Dr. Marianne and to listen to today's show, as well as past shows, visit yourradiodoctor.com. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded.
1: Hi, I'm Lisa Thomas-Laurie. If you're on Medicare, I've got great news. Keystone 65 HMO plans from Independence Blue Cross have earned five stars. That's Medicare's highest rating for 2022. Some of these Medicare Advantage plans have no monthly premiums, no deductibles, and no co-pays for primary care visits and some prescription drugs. And all plans include dental, vision and hearing benefits with no co-pays for routine exams. Medicare's highest rating, Philly's most popular plan. Don't wait, visit ibxmedicare.com star.
2: Every year, Medicare evaluates plans based on a five-star rating system. Keystone 65 offers HMO plans with a Medicare contract. Enrollment in Keystone 65 Medicare Advantage plans depends on contract renewal. This is a paid endorsement.